we're in the middle of the Olympics. Yeah, we are. I'm really not watching enough of this. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, you know whose fault this is. Netflix's fault. So back you. back in the day, you know, you watch TV and you watch your favorite shows, and then the Olympics is, is on and it's one of the channels. Like you naturally go to that. But if you're watching Netflix. Then you don't get to see that, so I'm not engaged the way I want to. I can't believe I'm so disappointed <laughs> in you. Let, let me update you. If you've been watching the Olympics Please and do. you've been watching it on, you know, Channel Seven, yep. I, I, I swear <laughs> we are winning gold every hour. Uh, look, every I, hour. I've got to say, I know that because I get this notification. <laughs> literally, literally, it's um, we have a gold medal chance, and then a minute later. We've we'll, won a gold we'll medal. Won a gold. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then the highlights are just essentially us winning gold every hour. It's, look, that's it's great. fantastic. That's amazing. Well wow. done to the athletes. They've been amazing. And you know, <laughs> what they've gone through the last year and what they've been able to achieve. It's uh, pretty is, impressive, isn't is it? It's phenomenal. <laughs> Absolutely phenomenal. Um, but in saying that, I think we should also recognize, and I think this has sort of come up, um, and this will sort of flow onto our performance tip, mm-hmm. the news about Simone Bowles. You know the tell us about that. Yeah, the American gymnast. So she is. She's been called, you know, the the top gymnast. You know, in the last deck, in the last, in fact, I was going to say last century. It's in of, of all time. Yeah. So Simone Biles, um, American gymnast, has won multiple gold medals in the in the previous Olympics, and she is a phenomenal athlete. And the reason why she's made news uh, in the last couple of days. It's because when she was performing in the team uh, gymnastics, so uh, so she performed an event, and after the event, where she didn't she didn't perform as well as she would have liked, she decided that she would withdraw, you know, from from that event. Yeah. And initially, it was cited as a physical injury, but what has come to light is that she did it because of her mental state, and you know. This has come about in the last couple of years where we, I think we are we're focusing so much on mental health. And, you know, we think about also Naomi Osaka as well, mm. who, again, phenomenal tennis player, but withdrew from Wimbledon, citing again, mental health reasons. And, you know, it takes a lot of courage mm. to admit that, you know, you need that help, especially when you have achieve that level of success over time mm. you know to to sort of say look I, i'm a world champion i'm the best at what i do but at this moment in time i have a weakness mm. and i need help and you know it, it is it takes a so massive a ma- uh, you know a massive amount of courage uh to it's, do that especially because you know i think it's hard enough for people who aren't in the public eye to say that they might have some kind of mental illness going on, let alone in the public eye. Like that literally so much courage and being able to just say that. Because imagine over so many decades or you know, centuries, people have been going through these problems, but they just couldn't say it and they and you know, they just went through and probably suffered greatly for it, for what for what aim. That's right. Um yeah, it's 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 really admirable that it's and, and, and even just standing up as role models really to show that these are the world-class athletes at the top of their game and they're able to kind of express their vulnerability and say, hey. It's massive, you know, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's really big. I think, you know, in some ways, you know, it, it has been shown that success does create a rod for your own back mm. because, you know, we and, and us as, um, as doctors, as anaesthetists, 
as people who've gone into the anesthetic program, which is a very, which is a very challenging program to get into, mm. you know, that in itself is a success, but it creates a rot for your own back in terms of what the expectations are. And I think, you know, Simone sort of mentioned it uh, eloquently in terms of, you know, she did feel like she had the whole world on her back. Mm. And it's, and I think sometimes people do feel that, that when, you know, after they get onto the program that, you know, because they've already achieved that success, that success will come naturally for them. But I think, you know, we're in this day and age where we, you know, we have so many resources around, we have so many supports around, but the thing that we need to draw on is that vulnerability to admit that, yes, we do need help. We, mm. we do need um, that extra assistance to get to the place where we want to be. And, and I think, you know, we all, we all want to help, don't we? Yeah, I think if anyone, like, you know, really just expressed the fact that they're going through something, I can't imagine anyone, you know, t- taking that in a bad way. I think we're all just far more aware of it now. Yeah. That, um, yeah, especially, yeah, especially taking Olympians as essentially role models for this business in the public eye, this exam, this process, even after the exams, you'll never, they'll never stop being challenges that your mental health might interfere with. And just to be able to, say it out, say that to someone and just get help is, is, a, is a really big deal. Just remember, this is a life that you want to live. You don't need to achieve things in this. You just need to, you know, try to be as happy and as, you know, and just do as much good as you can in this. That's right. Mm. And, you know, these things have evolved over the last decade. And, you know, like 10 years ago, and I think, you know, a lot of people who are sort of thinking, you know, back, back you know, a couple of decades would, would see it as weakness, won't they? would see it as, you know, like they would go, you know, 10 years ago, you, you never, you never say these things, you know, you, you just keep your mouth shut mm. and just, um, T- was it and just crack on. Crack on, toughen and, up. Yeah, toughen up. And you see it as a sign of strength, as um, mental fortitude. But I think, you know, we need to evolve from that. And, and you know, the, the way that society and the way that we want to progress as a society you know, we always want to improve. We always want to involve, and I think this has been a really important step um, in terms of knowing that sometimes it's okay to need help. Yeah. It's it's okay to you know have that moment of weakness where we go look. You know, maybe we can't do this on our own. Maybe we need someone else to help us along the way. And I, I think having that that humility to be able to reach out to someone else uh, to sort of, you know, guide us or just help us on our journey. I think it's, it's so important, you know, for all those out there who, you know, are, are sort of struggling with the exam, you know, know that, you know, you, you have role models out there. You have, you have champions like Simone Bowles, like Naomi Osaka, who are, who are, you know, top of their game, but yet they are showing that vulnerability to, you know, seek out help and you can do the same. You know, there's so many resources out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Lars, a fantastic resource. So, you know, reach out to us, um, reach out to, I think Ansgar's got some fantastic resources as well and know that, you know, we all want you, we all want you to succeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's really well said. All right. Now you've got um, the continuation of your categorizations and we're going to do a very good one, which is Reno. And I'm going to be honest with you, like I, <laughs> I, like, oh, not my favorite, not my favorite subject, you know? Look, I've, I've got to say, I loved it when I was doing it, but 
it's it it's amazing as I was as I was kind of just prepping for this presentation I was like oh wow I've forgotten so much so I'm, you know fortunately I'm just giving you overall classifications but there's a lot of depth in this and uh, hopefully this will help just get, get a bit of um yeah get a bit of an idea of how to express this in a short answer question these categories or quickly and succinctly and precisely in the viva situation as well fantastic yeah. we're going to go through first the functions of the kidney which is a really good one actually yep um so have you got have you got a mnemonic for this? I do, I do but I, I actually wanted to put it up to the audience to give me a mnemonic for it. So there's a lot of things here, okay? So function of the kidney. You can you can almost just imagine what this is. Like I, Sometimes, you know, weird word mnemonics aren't necessary if you can imagine this. And a lot of us can imagine what the kidney does quite well. For example, it's water balance, it's electrolytes, it's waste excretion. And then the lesser known stuff will be your endocrine functions, red blood cell production, gluconeogenesis, and blood pressure issues. So you've got these seven broad categories. The first three are easy to remember. The last four are a bit out there. Um, so yeah, water balance, electrolytes, that's pretty self-explanatory. Waste, you can go into urea, uric acid, creatinine, uh, the byproducts of uh, red blood cell uh, elimination, as well as drug elimination excretion. Endocrine, you can imagine quite a few of the hormones, vitamin D, EPO, prostaglandins are some of the common ones uh, that are in the kidneys involved in. Uh, and then, as we mentioned, red blood cell production through EPO release, as well as gluconeogenesis, uh, and then blood pressure management with the renin angiotensin aldosterone system. Our blood pressure is so important. Like, um, you know, patients with kidney disease and their blood pressure. Uh, it's all over the place. Right? It's all over the place, yeah. Low, high. Yeah. Um, very, very challenging to sort of manage. So that's good. So I think <laughs> our audience, if they've got a, a great mnemonic. mnemonic, yeah. Please let us know. Send it in to us. Um, okay, so now the second one yes. is how does the kidney establish a concentration gradient? Yeah, so whenever when I got asked this question in the Vive, I remember I'd read Vanders and I'd, I'd spent so much time on Vanders because, I, you know, it was, it was, it was really well-written, but it was just lots of writing and I really needed to just summarize it. So I remember just going, okay, it's the countercurrent multiplier, the countercurrent exchanger and the role of urea. And I remember getting this in the Viber and moving through it pretty quickly. So I was pretty happy that that was, you know, the, the essence of it. Um, so yeah, in a bit more detail, the countercurrent multiplier is really just the system of having the long loop of Henle um, and having differential permeabilities whereby a horizontal gradient of a maximum 200 milliosmoles per liter can be you know affected by those nk cct pumps but then the and and then the other side the descending loop of henley is impermeable to solids so now you get water shifting and this horizontal gradient can be multiplied through the loop of henley and the longer the loop the more this gets multiplied so you get you know like a minimum uh, concentration of say 70 or so milliosmoles per liter and a maximum of about 1400 milliosmoles per liter um, so that's my simple way of talking about the countercurrent multiplier. Uh, yeah. So then the countercurrent exchanger. So this is, uh, again, I, I like to get to the point of this. The point of the countercurrent exchanger is essentially to preserve the gradient and return solute and you know other substances back into the circulation. And it does this with the vasorector, which are juxtaposed with these, the loop of Henle, and it has slow flow in reverse. So it doesn't wash out the gradient it returns solute, but doesn't wash out the gradient and then pres and preserves that gradient. Then the role of urea. And so, you know, I, I didn't get into too much detail with the role of urea, but it, it, it literally is about 50% of the, 
of the ability of the of the kidney to concentrate, and it's got a whole system of you know uh, filtration and uh, secretion as well that you can that you can learn uh, from your prescribed textbook. No, that's really good, and I think that's a really good summary because that is so complex to know sometimes. And you're right, Vanda is very well written, but it is very detailed. And you couldn't express it in an exam. No, absolutely not. And I think one of the key things about Vanda is the way to study it is to actually just go through um, their tables and graphs because they've actually got very nice tables and graphs which actually summarise um, uh, these uh, concepts really well. Um, but yeah, you're right. Reading Vanders, you could spend years yeah, reading through it and still not sort of understand it. All of these are just such impressive textbooks, the fact that they've synthesised all this knowledge. But yeah, yeah, not for our exam. We just need to know the basics, short, sharp, categorise. Yeah. And you think about it, you know, like Van has probably written a couple of pages on the countercurrent multiplier, the countercurrent exchanger, the role of urea, and you just summarized it in two minutes, which is really what you need to know for this exam. That's, That's right. It. Simplicity is key. That's right. <laughs> All right. So the next one is uh, the handling of acid by the kidney. How does the kidney do that? Yes. Again, the rule of threes. It's reabsorption of bicarb, two, titratable acid excretion, and the role of ammonium. And so, you know, just to go into it in a little bit of detail, so reabsorption of bicarb, so this is almost completely reabsorbed. So imagine if you lost bicarb, effectively that would be contributing to more acid load. So really it's not, a, it's not, it's not handling acid, but it's not contributing to more acid that might be there. In, in, interestingly enough as well, uh, it's the, the kidney just doesn't excrete or have the ability to excrete that much hydrogen ions. So, you know, there, there just isn't enough filtered and there just isn't enough urine produced for, you know, ha- acid to be directly excreted. That's why it has to go through all of these processes. I think the numbers are, I think the filtered amount is less than 0.1 millimoles per day and the minimum urinary pH is about 4.4. So that's 0.04 millimoles per litre. So if the urine output is you know about 1.5 liters a day, you can only excrete 0.06 millimoles per day, which is far far less than the 50 to 100 millimoles per day that's ingested. Um, so you really need all of these systems to work. So first one's reabsorption of bicarb. Uh, the next one is titratable acids, and this is essentially phosphate and organic acid. So you, it can excrete about 40 millimoles per day. Uh, but also in times of DK uh, or diabetic acidosis or other you know, pathologies, you'll have acetic acid and beta hydroxybutyrate. So you'd have these other acids that could also contribute to um, loss of acid um, as well as creatinine as well. Yeah. I mean, and I think that's a very important question. I got asked how to, how does kidney handle an acid for my viva? Oh yeah, me too. So I wish, <laughs> wish I had your, uh, your setup. I'm, I'm sure you did well. <laughs> <laughs> well, in fact, what um, I said incorrect, I mean, not incorrect, but what I said, uh, instead of ammonium, I actually said glutamine. Oh, which it is though. Yeah, in, in, indirectly. Indirectly, yeah. Yeah, but ammonium is the correct, uh, the third one. The ammonium is, is the big one. And then um, glutamine is the one that uh, gets uh, sort of, it gets broken down to the hydrogen ion, which is then excreted and then the bicarb is absorbed. Mm. Yeah. And so, yeah, ammonium, as we mentioned, and this is actually very important because it counts for the potential to have 50 to 100 millimoles per day or up to you know, 300 millimoles of H plus can be excreted using this, using the ammonium system. And so the, you know, Vanders does talk about this being the, the most important system. Uh, and so that's, yeah, that's briefly handling of acid, re- reabsorption of bicarb, titratable acid excretion, and also ammonium. Yep. 
And um, the next the next important one is what are the factors that govern uh, GFR or glomerular filtration rate? Yeah, so I have to read back through this. I, and, uh, you know, it's been a long time since I've seen the formulas here. But essentially, again, three... Actually, four, sorry. So again, three, four, three plus one. Three plus one. Four. So still, we're still going the rule, the rule of threes. <laughs> and, and you could, you could make this three, depending <laughs> on how you, how you categorize it. But essentially, one, you've got the filtration barrier. And so this barrier has endothelium fenestrations, the basement membrane and podocyte foot processes. And this, you know, essentially becomes the barrier and that can, will be a factor that governs GFR. It will be expressed as part of the flow equation, which I'll talk about in a second. You've also got to think about the molecule size of the thing that is filtered, so size and, elect- and electrical charge. And that those would be, the, I guess, the most important two parts of the molecule that's being filtered. I'll go to the final point because the, uh, it's less to talk about. And then the other would be autoregulation, which could be myogenic, tubular glomerular feedback, and then sympathetic nervous system angiotensin 2 and atrial nitrotic peptide effects as well. So the one that you can talk about most in this is the Starling forces. So flow equals a constant KF, and then in brackets, pressure of the glomerular capillary, take away the pressure of Bowman space, minus, and then this whole equation in, in, uh, in um, brackets as well, sigma, then in brackets, oncotic pressure of glomerular capillary minus the oncotic pressure of Bowman space as well. So now just to talk about these things in you know very brief, glomerular capillary oncot- hydrostatic pressure, sorry, is high. So that's you know arterial end is about sixty millimeters mercury, and it's affected by certain factors. The the pressure, the back pressure, is the Bowman space hydrostatic pressure, and that's around fifteen but millimeters mercury, and that's obviously going to be increased by any obstruction to urinary flow. So imagine the pressure, the back flow goes up or the back pressure goes up, you'll have less GFR. So KF, which is you know multiplies this, is always high due to the high water permeability, and it's a constant, but it's a product of surface area filtration, um, and also it takes into account glomerular capillary hydraulic conductivity. So the next equation includes this little reflection coefficient or sigma, the Greek letter sigma. Um, and it's very high because glomerular capillaries are essentially impermeable to, impermeable to protein. Um, and then it goes through, you know, the multiplied by the oncotic pressure of glomerular capillary oncotic pressure minus Bowman space osmotic pressure. And so that's just briefly the formula that you would talk about when talking about, um, you know, the, the um, factors that govern GFR filtration barrier, molecule and its effects, the styling forces and the equation, and then there's other things that we talked about. Yeah, I th- Look, it's such a complex uh, thing to actually explain. And, you know, just with the reflection coefficient, so, you know, a reflection coefficient just describes, you know, in, in terms of physics, how much wave is reflected. And so what you actually describe, and this is why it's a minus, because those, um, the oncotic pressure is, actually, is the one that actually stays... Uh, in 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 the actual um, sort of the the vessel itself, so it's the one that actually draws in. So that's why so that's why it works against mm. what you're talking about in terms of the other side, which is the pressure of um, the glomerular capillary. And so what you actually see is that works against it, and that gives you that ultimate flow in that Starling force there. But um, you know, despite its simplicity in terms of the formula, as you've described, when you sort of describe, it is quite complex, isn't it? Yeah. 
there's a lot to talk about. And maybe as we're going through some renal short answer questions, we'll get into a lot more detail with this yeah. in future episodes. Good. Well, the other thing that we should also add is that with uh, GFR, it is also... Oh, actually, no, you did sort of mention it with uh, autoregulation, the, my, the myogenic uh, autoregulation. Because I think that's also important in terms of, you know, when you think about blood pressure mm-hmm. and uh, or flow. So that there is that the kidneys does they do regulate GFR in terms of um, the mean arterial pressure. Yep. So it is it is uh, consistent between seventy five a map of seventy five to one seventy millimeters of mercury, and that's quoted in Power and Cam. I think in Vanners it's eighty to eighty to one eighty. But so so it's fairly sort of similar. Um, and what it's saying is that you know within that map GFR remains fairly constant. But once you go below that map of less than 75, mm-hmm. that's when GFR drops off. And when you go above 180, that's when GFR sort of increases. And yep. I think that's where we get that, you know, when we, when we think about MAP and we think about um, uh, perfusing the kidneys, I think that's where we get, you know, aiming for a MAP of above 70 from. Yeah, from that myogenic mechanism. Yeah. The, the autoregulatory plateau, yeah. Correct. Um, and I guess same with the brain as well. Same with the brain <laughs> as well, yeah. So se- sem- above 70 is that magical number. You know, anesthesia always affects it. So it's almost like this is always okay and correct unless you're under anesthesia. <laughs> then <laughs> we're right. not really sure. <laughs> then it sort of changes. That's frustrating. Um, and then the last thing that uh, we should probably mention is um, that tubular glomerular feedback. Because I think there is um, some sort of uh, confusion between that and there's the other one called uh, glomerular tubular balance. Glomerular tubular balance is what people sort of confuse about. That, that just basically describes um, the linear relationship between proximal tubular reabsorption and GFR. And, you know, in its simplicity, so if your GFR, it's let's say one, and your proximal tubular reabsorption should always be a percentage of that. So let's say it's about 30%, okay? So that, that's glomerular tubular balance. In, t- in other words, it's always a fixed percentage. What, what, it, what it's not is a fixed amount. So the reason why that's important is that if it's a fixed amount, and your um, your GFR sort of increases, what happens is that there's an excess amount, which then would not be reabsorbed, and then would go onto the loop of Henley, and then you get that you know you get a big rise. So, glomerular tubular balance just talks about um, uh, just a set percentage of proximal tubular reabsorption, and um, between that and the GFR, that that that's it in its simplicity. Okay. That sounds good. Great. Okay. Is there anything else that uh, we need to go through? I think this has been really good in terms of the renal categorizations. That's really good sort of set up for a lot of short answer questions as well as uh, viva questions as well. So that's probably most of the physiology categories that we need to go through. But as as things come up, we'll we'll definitely put them. And I think that there's probably a few pharmacological categories that we could get get up to as well. Mm. But that's good. So yeah, thanks very much for listening. And yeah, stay tuned for next week's episode. Thanks very much. And we'll see you next time. See you next time.